Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amel and Chad with your breakfast toast. Okay, music doesn't want to play. What can I say? Hey, it's uh, Friday. What's today's date, Amel? April 16th? Today is January. What, am I only here to give you the date? It's January 16th. Don't you have a phone? Well, you'll do more on the show, hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> you'll do more on the show today. But uh, it is indeed January 16th, 2015, and uh, we're here to uh, – it's championship weekend, man. AFC, NFC championship. Uh, will the Seahawks repeat? Will Brady get into another Super Bowl? Will Young Luck show up there? Can Aaron Rodgers limp his way literally into the Super Bowl? We're going to find out this weekend, and uh, we will talk about it here coming up on the Gridiron Stud Show. If for some strange reason, Amel, uh, some Rick Ross music starts playing, we're having okay. a little bit of technical difficulty here in the studio. So, Well, you know, the good thing uh, is we'll I won't out. even know that it's Rick Ross. But you'll know that there's. I'll know something's play. playing, but but if you say, "Hey, Emil, who's playing?" I'll be like, uh, "I have no idea." <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> plenty to talk about on the show today. Obviously, we're going to preview both of the championship games from the AFC and the NFC. So, see, there we go. As I said. Anyway, we got to thank the folks over here at Blog Talk Radio. They're uh, they're doing their best today. Anyway, uh, we got to talk about these championship games. Uh, we'll preview them. We'll give you a pick, uh, our picks on both of them, right? Because we're going to pick both of these games, aren't we? Oh, Is that what we're going to do today? Yeah, man. We, there's two, yeah, there's two so games. What are we going to do? And uh, did Cardell Jones make the right decision by coming back to Ohio State? Uh, I, I thought there were rules to the whole press conference thing. You don't drag all these media members over to your high school gym and to say you're coming back. I mean, everyone got that wrong, including yours truly. I was trumpeting loud and clear to everyone. Wait, I didn't get it wrong. I insinuated on your post that you, why couldn't it be that? I said, we're in a new era, man. I mean, I, I mean, I sent you a note today. You missed my press conference to tell you that I was getting up at 8 o'clock this morning to go into my office like I do every morning. Well, okay. Well, good for you. I think you're just being, uh, you know. You're just being an antagonist on that. You know, just wanting to oppose, I mean, oppose Chad. Why does that surprise you? Wait, 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 wait. We live in a world where they now sell a device that you hold out so you could take a selfie of yourself, like an arm that you put your phone on, and and you're telling me that that surprises you, that someone had a no, press conference to tell you that. A major press conference to say, I'm going to continue doing what I've been doing. That that was funny, the text that you sent me, <laughs> saying you're going to hold a press conference. Um, to, to let everyone know that you're going to show work, up to man. work tomorrow. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's essentially what the kid did, you know. Right. And someone else, I saw another funny tweet where someone said this kid skipped class to say that he's going to continue going to class. That's hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what we had. 
Uh, I went on one of my Twitter rants this morning um, about about kids and these college football decisions. They're coming up, obviously, here in the next uh, two and a half weeks. It's going to be signing day. Kids are going to pick schools. Uh, a good amount of those kids are going to pick schools not based on what they know and thought to be the right thing to do. It's going to be based on someone else's uh, thoughts, decisions, motivation. Uh, there will be moms that will force kids to go to schools. Uh, because of the, you know, whatever reason they may... Well, wait, wait, wait. We need to reverse roles here, because you know more about this than me, so I'm going to play the lead here. I have questions for you. I need things answered. I'm being serious. Okay. First and foremost is... Now, first and foremost, before we get to the the important questions, Mm. as a white guy, I don't understand a lot of your urban rants, so who the hell is Uncle Willie? Uncle Willie is that uncle, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's the same in the Italian culture, but in the urban culture, and you know, let's be honest, in the African American culture, there's always that Uncle Willie who uh, is—he's uh, the cool uncle. You know, he might have given you a sip of beer at 15 years old, or whatever. Just a cool guy. Let me not say that about the alcohol, but he's just a cool uncle that you got who's grown up. Uh, he's always been a fan of some one particular school, and now that you're a you know a, a pretty good high school athlete, and you have the ability to be recruited by all these schools, including the one that he's grown up wearing their underwear uh, from that school, uh, is going to tell you every day, regardless of whatever information is out there, regardless of what is best for you, he's going to influence you as much as he can to go play for the school that he's grown up rooting for all your life, all his life. And as a kid, you're going to feel a little bit of obligation to keep Uncle Willie uh, pleased because Uncle Willie did a lot of things for you growing up that you surely uh, appreciate. So Uncle Willie's a Miami fan. You maybe should go up up the road to Florida State, but Uncle Willie wants you to play for Miami, so you go to I'm just using my. So you end up at Miami. Yeah, he could be the yeah. Uncle Willie could be the Miami fan if we're here in Miami. He could be the USC fan if we're here in LA. He could be the he could be the Texas fan if we're somewhere in Dallas. He could be the Ohio State fan if you're growing up in Cleveland or Columbus. He wants you to go to that school, and it, he hasn't done any of the research. He doesn't know anything about the coaching staff. He doesn't know anything about the school. He may not even know what what, what the hell you want. No, to he grew up rooting for Woody Hayes, and as far as he's concerned, right. he, he loves Ohio State. It doesn't matter. You're going to Ohio State. That's right. He's going to tell you every day. He's going to just – he wants you to go there, and, and one of the major reasons is so that he can go back into the shop on Monday and say my son, uh, my my nephew – Signed with Ohio State. He signed with right. Miami. He signed with Texas. Signed with you know USC, and he has that. Well, I, I think you're just uh, taking something that goes it. across every culture, just maybe not with 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 you know specifically we're on football. Well, I'm going with what I know, Uncle Will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think every every culture has one of those. It may not always be football, but I get to what you're saying. Okay, now more questions for you. Um, recruiting. Explain to me seriously. Because I don't get this. How does it? I, I look on Rivals or 247 or whatever I'm looking at that day, and I see some of these SEC schools with 28 and 29 commits. Now, the CPA in me comes out and says, I know you can only sign a maximum of 25. So how does this work? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of things that, that goes on there, and it's been an issue that's been discussed, and I think ESPN had a couple stories on it, uh, and it's something that people frown upon, not illegal. Um, They'll oversign a class. Uh, you're supposed to bring in 25. They'll bring in 29. They'll tell four guys, hey, we want you to gray shirt. What's the gray shirt means? 
means you're going to go to a, a particular JUCO. You're not going to take a full load in terms of uh, credits, and uh, you'll do that for the first semester. You won't be on campus. You won't be a part of the team. You you will go to that junior college, and then in the spring we'll be able to bring you in in the spring because now we can add you to the roster because of attrition after the season is over. Or um, so basically they can give you a scholarship that doesn't count against the 25 is what you're saying? They basically that's what they can do. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's called a gray shirt. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think, I believe school kids are off from school today. So if they're listening, this is important information. But uh, I think it counts against the next year's class is how it counts. I mean, in other words, I have 29 kids. I like this year four of them would count against next year's class. Exactly, exactly. And there will be some attrition on the roster. I do have an article up on uh, gridironstuds.com forward slash blog about exactly what gray shirting is. Uh, I would urge you all to uh, who are interested or want to know more about that to head over to the blog uh, and search for gray shirt, and you'll find the article there. You know what? I will, uh, during the break, post it up on Twitter. Now hang with me on this because I'm not done. I mean, I'm asking. I'm, I'm no, hold good on, at- hold on. Now, before we move into something else, it, it is important to know this other part of it, too. Um, another way, and it's you know, obviously frowned upon, but another way that they make room for a person on a roster when they do oversigning is uh, every coach knows the gravy train guys that are on their roster, guys that have just decided they don't like football anymore, they're not really with the program, but they're going to go through the motions with the football thing so that they can continue to get their free education. Coaches are aware of those guys. They're dead weight on the roster, so they're looking for any reason within the rules to get you off that roster get caught in a car with someone who has weed, uh, uh, any kind of incident, anything they could get you on to hey, say, hey, listen, uh, you got to go. And then the roster spot opens up, and you can grab one of those, one of those extra guys. Right. So, so what I'm understanding is saying is I, I, I'm, I really like this year's class, so I get the 29 guys. I say 25 can come in. Four, I'm going to wait. I'll have my 85 maximum is in place. When attrition happens – and that drops low enough in the spring, I put the four guys on and count them against next year's class, and maybe next year's class I undersign a little bit, or I oversign again, and, I, and every year I'm rolling four and five guys into the following year's class. Wash, rinse, repeat, basically. Yes. Okay, now, help me, and again, I'm only using teams I follow. I know USC doesn't do this. I don't think they do. I've never seen them do it. Some other, I'm sure other schools, Notre Dame doesn't. I'm just guessing. Why do... Other schools not want to do this. It um, seems like a good advantage. I, mean. <laughs> I, you know, I can't. It does, and I can't say. Maybe, maybe I don't. From an ethical standpoint, maybe uh, their athletic directors prohibit it. Uh, maybe their conference prohibits oh, it. Oh, it seems shady, know. but I'm saying if it's not illegal, it does seem like a nice advantage. Um, yeah, I would. I would certainly think so. But I, you know, it's. Some places don't really want that going on, and so perhaps they've put some rules in place. I don't know. Gotcha. I know. I believe I've seen the Big Ten complaining about it. I've seen Big Ten coaches complain about it uh, being a practice um, in the SEC. So they may indeed uh, be so They won't be complaining about it long because I'm sure Urban will start doing it soon. But, okay, um, now i got another question for you. And this one is specific, but it really pertains to anybody's school. It just happens, okay, I'm following my team's recruiting. Um, my team, USC, has 21 commits right now, mm-hmm. verbals. 
Now, I know they're in on about five or six really big ones, and my guess is they're going to get a lion's share of them. They're in on uh, Marshall, the, cor- the big corner. They're in on Green, mm-hmm. the D-tackle, a couple other kids, a couple linebackers, Gustin. The, 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 anyway, b- bottom line is they're in on five or six of them. Let's say, I mean, most projections have them getting at least four or five of them. For argument's sake here, let's say they get five, okay? So now they have 21 and 5 is 26. This year, they only have 24 they can bring in because of, I forget, they took one in last year. Anyway, they're allowed to sign a full class this year of 25, but it's 24 because I think they got one in in the spring or some goofy thing. So there's two, 26 less 24 means I'm two over the limit. How do how do they get rid of those two kids in the recruiting circles? Explain that to me. What happens on re, on signing? Well, it day? may it it may be along the same lines of what I just explained. You know. Um, oh no, they're not taking twenty six in. So they're they, I know that they said that they will sign twenty four and that will be it. Five are already on campus early signees, so they have nineteen more to bring in on signing day. They have sixteen commits. There's three spots open. They're probably getting five more guys. So what happens to the two kids? extra that they don't gray shirt so how does that work do they call kids on signing day and say listen you know Um, or do they call call kids before and say keep your options open because we're going to be honest with you we're in on another kid and frankly we're going to run out of scholarships do they tell a kid that yeah those are certainly things that can be done not typically done because that's a not very good for your public relations not very good with you at that school uh in the future if you do that to a kid so you know that's something they will avoid at all costs it does happen it's not the norm, but perhaps they know uh, that they're going to lose a kid or two off their roster, and they've just not made that public at all. You know, so, you know, a kid kid might disappear off the books uh, in the coming future. So, no, no, I understand. Um, but the, remember, now remember, we're talking two things. That's that's the part I understand. There's a maximum, and I get that. Like when you get under the maximum, you can give a walk on a scholarship and that stuff. But in a recruiting class, you are limited. I, and what I'm saying is, I know they don't gray shirt. So they have to lose two kids here if the math works. Will they do all they can maybe without making it public to find out about some of these kids that are saying we're waiting to signing day to say, hey, listen, you know, we have, you know we're going to go over this number. You know, are you leaning our way? And if they get a good indication, you know, that they're going to have to lose a couple kids, will they start making some calls now where basically you'll, they'll give the kid the dignity of saying he's decommitting? Will that happen? In other yeah. words, yeah, that happens, no doubt. Yeah, like say, hey, listen, that'll, that'll we're going to run out of scholarships. We really like you. We wish we could bring everybody in. Uh, we can't. Um, you know, yeah. it might be it's not best a good for you thing to, keep... to do though, Emil, to come to a kid this late and do that especially when you want a kid to be really committed to you and kind of shut down all the other schools. And let's say a kid has done that, and he's been committed to you for a month or two months, and he's not taking calls from all the other schools that were interested, and then you come to him at this late date or even later and say, hey, I don't think we're going to be able to get you on or whatever. The well, I'm not you asking you for on. best practices. I'm asking you, is that how it goes I'm down? Ju- well, I'm just telling you that, you know, for that to, to do that to a kid is, is pretty awful. Uh, well, what I'm thinking happens, my guess would be if you're doing it the right way, is you look for the kid that didn't shut it down, and you know that there's kids that are you know, verbally committed that are still doing visits and not shut it. And maybe you go to them and say, well, you know, <laughs> you weren't 100% yeah, committed or, to us. Well, listen, it's that or, you know, I don't know if it really works like that. It's you try to get the best kid possible. 
Um, and I don't think I don't think you break it down to you know is this kid does this kid right in other words it's it's cutthroat is what you're that. saying in other words we want the oh, best no kid doubt. possible that is, I don't that give is a the crap bottom line on all this it yeah I don't give a crap if I hurt your feelings I mean in other words if I got a three star that I really believe is a three star and I got a five star hell that the five star is getting the spot tough luck yeah that's pretty much how it works it's a it's a very very tough business and it's usually one of the first ways. These kids learn about uh, life um, as they get they get this very strong uh, dose of it. But uh, don't you feel it's cutthroat really both care. ways? I mean, none of these kids, and I sent you a note yesterday about a kid that just stuck out because it popped up on ESPN. These kids aren't really committed to anything, most of them. I mean, they give you the quarterback Brewer, the kid that started at Texas in 2012, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Transferred from Texas to Arizona, and now I just see an article he's transferring from Arizona. So I guess my point is, isn't it kind of a two-way street by and large? A lot of these kids can't figure out what pair of underwear they're putting on in the morning. So how could you ask the schools to be that committed? And at the same token, it, you know, the kids aren't committed because the schools aren't committed, and back and forth we go. Namal, in a nutshell, okay, in a nutshell, the uh, athletic directors aren't loyal to the coaches. Coaches can't be loyal to the players. Players can't be loyal to the coach. It's just the whole deal. Yeah, it's There's a vicious just too cycle. Much money involved. Yeah, it's too much money involved now in college football for loyalty to reign. Um, and that's just really how it is. People will chase the money. And when you're chasing money, uh, sometimes morals get thrown out of the window. Uh, more, more times than not. And that's just really the situation that we've got set up now. Uh, it's not going to go back to the way it used to be. So kids better get smart at, uh, you know, playing the game, so to speak. Um, and 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 it's it's always good to have good, um, good guidance, but uh, that's hard for some of these kids to even get. Right, but I understand. So basically, what you're kind of saying is, it's buyer that. beware. If you're if you're a kid coming in, in my example, I gave you and you've committed to, say, a Notre Dame or USC, and you're a corner and you know what your grade is coming out from most of the services, and you see that they're going after a five-star corner who might go heavily, be heavily leaning their way, the smart thing to do is, even if you really want to go there, is keep your options open because they might pull a scholarship on you. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's not going to happen to the big-time guys, but – uh, the guys who aren't big time could very well happen to you. Um, so, you know, keep your eyes open, keep your head on a swivel. You know, pretty much the same right. thing. So, you what you're saying is, be, you know, be street smart. You know, know that that could happen and have a backup plan. That, that would be your advice. Yeah. Don't get caught with your pants hanging around your ankles. You had something else on your mind? Yeah, you, you know what? I, I got my, my underwear in an uproar today, and I'm going to use you for my people. <laughs> underwear up. in an uproar. Right. Yeah, my, my underwear are stuck up my butt crack. I'm going to explain to you why Good. I set it up, and you're going to help me to explain to the good people up here in Pennsylvania how this was handled in Florida, which was my suggestion for the team here. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's okay. let me set the table for you. We have a My daughter goes to high school. Very good girls basketball team. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm finished second in the state last year in class AA. We only have four classes here, um, not a huge mm-hmm. school. Um, they're, they're ranked third in the state this year. They have a 2,000-point scorer, four-year starter, um, sister of a Penn State wide receiver, great athlete, um, a lot of good players. Okay. Probably going to compete for a AA title again. In the infinite wisdom of the league up here, uh, you know, we have three classes, three divisions in our conference. One is the big schools, two is the medium schools, and three is the small schools. 
You can play up, but you can't play backwards. They took these guys and they put our school in the Division Three. Okay, so they run into a school yesterday. Now our enrollment, and this is—it's not a big school. It's a Catholic school, four hundred and I think fifty. We play a private school with one hundred and fifty kids in it. Final score in the game ends up one hundred and twenty-five to thirteen. Some triple doubles uh, in that yeah. score there somewhere else. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> coach, but the coach, to his credit. You know, I mean, or not his credit, depending on how you're looking at it. He substitutes. He puts in second teamers. I don't even know if you have mm-hmm. a third team in high school. I mean, I I'm, I don't go to the right. games. I mean, maybe they have 12 right. kids. But, you know, at a certain point, the score at half was 72 to 3. Now, my take on this is as long as you're playing second and third teamers as best you can, I can't tell a kid that's not playing as many minutes to go into a game of any sort and not try hard. First of all, if I'm on the other side of that, I'm more embarrassed by you not trying against me. That is actually more embarrassing than oh, beating man, the hell out of me. Oh, man, you know what, Emil? I'm disappointed, man. I thought you were going to go on the other side of this thing. So I can, no, no, I'm more embarrassed by you again, not trying. Once again, okay? we dis- once again, we are going to agree on something here. But no, no, but I let me let me just get the rest of this out. I'm embarrassed if you're not trying. Beat the hell out of me. Don't don't take away my dignity by saying you you know if we're playing tennis and you say you can hit at the doubles lines and I'll play you left-handed okay that's more embarrassing than you just beating me six zero six zero okay right so um you know that was my first take on this my my second thing is you know they're going off on the school that scored one twenty five my point is a the first that school shouldn't be on their schedule so blame the conference mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. b I said why not just handle it like the team in Florida did. Just leave at halftime. That's what I told people here. I said, listen. Oh, wow. I said, I said, man, there's a school in Florida that just left at freaking halftime. So I said, why are you going to ask the team that's doing the beating to, to not only worry about stopping you from scoring and scoring themselves, they're going to have to worry about how to stop themselves from scoring against you. Why not just leave? Well, let me give you the other <laughs> end of, uh, you know, I don't think you heard the the the, the you know, you didn't hear about the ramifications of what happened there. Uh, and this would be, obviously would be a very strange situation that would be uh, against the norm. How, however, the school that you're speaking of, Champagnat Catholic, that walked out on the game uh, with, a, I believe, about four minutes left in the second quarter and packed up the bus and left, um, that school was actually uh, the defending 2A champs down here. And what was was headed to the playoffs? They'd done what they needed to do to to head into the postseason, and and uh, provided they were were going to get their quarterback back, who was injured, uh, was the odds-on favorite to to win the title again. However, uh, under the FHSAA rule, by forfeiting the game in the fashion in which they did, they forfeited their opportunity to participate in the postseason. So they were thereby uh, disqualified from postseason play. Okay, but here's and here's where I got a better solution for you. Up here in basketball, basically, in the everybody gets a trophy uh, culture we live in, I believe almost all everybody makes the playoffs. So, you know, they put 16 teams in there, so you get to watch the one seed beat the crap out of somebody else. I think this team doesn't have to worry about winning any state titles. This was not an anomaly. Okay. Oh, no, I know. I just wanted to bring that up and tell you that that was it. I'm with you on that whole thing. Uh, uh, listen, if you have an opportunity to beat me, play the game, all right? I don't want to see your quarterback go back and run back 20 yards and then take a knee 
or you know fumble the ball around. That makes more a mockery of what what's going on. I want you to come in and play the game. And to be quite honest with you, uh, when I put my backups in and you put your backups in, my backups at cornerback don't want to watch you run the ball 15 times in a row. They'd like to have an opportunity to make a play downfield and do what defensive backs do, defend the pass. So throw a pass. I'm in the minority in that thought process. But listen to me, man. 60 to nothing or 100 to nothing, 120 to nothing, to me, all the same thing. It's a, it's a behind kicking. And to be honest, 120 to nothing gets us some publicity. <laughs> it gets us in Sports Illustrated. It gets well, us in the news. It gets people wanting to know about what we're doing. And I'm not for, let me say this, I'm not for a guy who puts his first team in and runs it up. Okay, I, you know, at a certain point, you, you call off the dogs. But where I, what I am right. saying is, when you put second and third team players in, if you're a good program, the reason you're good is you have a culture and a, and a, and a, and a way of playing. Okay, and take basketball. You're telling your kids we play hard all the time. Blah 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 blah. When I put the second third kid in, third team kid in, I want them playing hard, and mm-hmm. I don't want them like the people are saying. Well, they could work on their half court sets and they could make four passes before they shoot. But that's not how they play. So no. So what I'm no, and you're to... going to always be a backup if when you come in, that's how you play, you know. Right. Those backups want to be starters, right? They're trying to get right. the starter out of his position. You can't bring him in the game and ask him to do something other than what. No, it's like saying you're you're on the bench in baseball. The score is fifteen nothing. I'm empty in my bench. Hey, when you go up there and bat, if the bases are loaded, strike out. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds yeah. like fun. <laughs> yeah, I want you to go up there and just take pitches. Don't swing the bat like we do all week in practice. Forget about all that stuff I've been trying to teach you. When you get into the game, you're going to do none of that. I'm with you 100%, man. So once again, we agree. Uh, it's time for a break. Can we agree on that? It's time sure. to pay some bills here. We need to uh, let people know who's sponsoring us here at the Blog Talk Radio's Gridiron Stud Show. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about some college football that Cardale uh, Jones, make the right decision. Here's a guy who said, uh, what are we going to class for? And here he is, coming back to class. We'll talk about that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Um, anytime yeah, 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 yeah. we got to call us the Illuminati. Whenever you see the G, it represents God. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Uh. 
You want to play college football, right? Well, that's not going to happen unless you have a highlight video. And if you want one of the best highlight videos in the country, then visit Under the Radar Highlight Videos right now. They will give you their best. Ten DVDs, affordable, done fast. They'll even remix your highlights or take your huddle highlights and put them on YouTube. And they've worked with some of the best. Deion Sanders Jr., top recruits in the country, Adoree Jackson and Joe Mixon. Current UCLA wide receiver Shaquille Evans, Cordell Brodus, son of Snoop Dogg, as well as top 2013 USC recruit Stuart Craven. If you want to be seen by the colleges and have the offers rolling in, then you need to contact Under the Radar Highlights right now. Visit them at youtube.com forward slash users UTR Highlight Videos. That's youtube.com forward slash users forward slash UTR Highlight Videos. Get over there, get that video made, and be seen by the colleges now. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Show Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino Championship Weekend coming up. But before we get to the NFL, we uh, need to talk about some college football. Things are all wrapped up. Can you believe that, Amo? College football season over. Just like comes and goes. It's like it's like a flower in the spring, man. It's beautiful and it's gone. How's that for an analogy? One of the uh, one of the heroes of the college football season, who has obviously ridden a very huge wave, is uh, third string, third string Ohio State quarterback Cardale Jones. Uh, just a quick synopsis of his season, his career. Uh, he starts three games, and here are the games he starts. The Big Ten Championship game, win. Sugar Bowl, win. National Championship game, win. Now, if you were in a casino, um, you know, many would tell you, hey, man, go to the window, cash out, and hit the car and get the hell out of there. You know, take your winnings and go which is what many people thought he would do when he called a press conference yesterday at, uh, at the Again Academy, which is where he went to school, a uh, school run by uh, Ted Ginn Sr., father of NFL player Ted Ginn Jr. 
so he called it there, and uh, many had surmised that okay, he is going to go to the uh, to the window and cash out and take his talents, as uh, people from Ohio have been known to say, to the National Football League. Well, uh, Cardell Jones, in a quite unpredictable fashion, much like Ohio State's season, decided he was going to stay in school at Ohio State. Emil, do you think the young man made the right decision? Well, yes, but I'm going to say this, and I, mean, I can't prove it. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing that Urban Meyer was hoping one of those guys left somehow, some way on their own. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of people say, well, why? You know, you got three great quarterbacks. That's not a great problem to have necessarily because this year it worked out fine because injuries – allowed all three to play as you know having played a lot of sports in your life sometimes having too much talent can be a hindrance for chemistry i mean next year you're going to have two really unhappy guys and justifiably so because all three of them could start for ohio state and all three have started and done well Mm -hmm. so Uh, if i'm urban i want one of them to leave because i can i can work with one guy and say listen your time you have to be ready Injuries can happen again. You know, you could start anywhere else. You're going to get a shot in the league. But when you have two guys standing there pouting next to you on the sidelines, that's not always a good thing. Uh, listen, is he really though? Is is Urban Meyer really? Was he really thinking that, or does he think I am a, once again in a great situation? We'll handle this problem at quarterback, if you want to call it that. Many people would like to have that problem. We watched many teams play this year who didn't have one quarterback. Um, I could have this same situation again. First of all, my the guy that was the original Heisman Trophy candidate does have a shoulder problem. Um, the next yeah. guy coming back is also going to have be coming back from an injury. He might not be a hundred percent. And then the third guy who decided to come back has no injuries, has a howitzer for an arm, and by the way, can also lower his shoulder on linebackers, truck them. And gain first downs. I don't know that that's well, a bad Well, no, I, I mean, I just saw a play out last year with my baseball team. You know, you remember all year, you know, I was all giddy. The Dodgers had five starting outfielders for three spots. They had a malcontent baseball team. Now, you can argue they won their division. They won 94 games. But you know what? They didn't win a championship. And, you know, I'm not, Ohio, I'm not saying Ohio State's going to have such a chemistry problem that they're not going to win the Big Ten. I'm just saying if your goal is to repeat, you know, you're going to be playing some big games. Um I'm just not sure three is a good answer. Now, I will say this. If I'm Urban Meyer going into camp next year, Jones is my starter. Mm-hmm. Would and, you? What, is, is that how that would roll? Oh, the roll. I mean, he's. For, I watched all why? three of those Tell guys play. He's the best player. Yeah. Uh, how could you say that? Uh, because of the things you just described, which I watch with my own two eyes. I watch a 250-pound kid that could throw a ball about 85 yards in the air, uh, step in and play the three best opponents. We probably played all year, save Michigan State, um, playing Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon, and won all three games. That tells me, listen, I've seen, what's the other kid's name, JT? um, JT Barrett. I've seen JT Barrett run around Illinois and Purdue. That's great. Uh, You know, Braxton Miller, I didn't see much of this year because he couldn't play. So I've seen. I just saw a kid win. Past two years, did you not? I did. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm going with Jones. I'm just telling you that that's how I'm solving it. I want a championship. You beat the three best teams. You look great doing it. The other two guys are tough tough beans. What can I tell you? Wow. 
Uh, well, you know what? He's bringing in, uh, you know, a top quarterback from from down in this area, uh, in, in Torrance Gibson. Uh, he's got a local high school uh, quarterback from Ohio coming in. So um, you may be right. You put Jones in there, and the other two guys decide they wanna they wanna you know bounce or whatever. Well, Miller should um, see. If I was Miller, I, I would have been out of there. I mean, I mean, he's got to see the writing on the wall. Out of two guys in what to... sense? Let's go pro or transfer to another school, or what are you talking about? <laughs> what year is he in? Do you know? Uh, this would be his senior year coming up. So he'll be a redshirt. I don't know what they're going to do with this season. I don't know yeah, what he'll be a redshirt junior. I mean, he's obviously going to take a redshirt for medical redshirt, so he'd be a redshirt junior. Um, if I'm him, I'm probably going to look to bounce, sit out a year, uh, mm-hmm. and play somewhere else, or – you know, I don't know if there's a way he could a hardship thing where the NCAA, you know, throw him throw him a ball and let him play without sitting out. But um, I just don't think and he's he going to do that. He may yet do that. He may yet do that. It's they're talking that uh, you know they're expecting him to come back, but what's expected and what actually happens uh, can be quite different, as we learned in that. I see him as the odd man out for certain. I mean, uh, the the kid who played this year for the majority of the year certainly has a case to be made coming in to say, hey, you know, I can get that job back, I think, in Urban Meyer's eyes maybe because he did play whatever. They played 15 games, and he started 12 of them and, you know, got them to the point of being 11-1. But it's real hard to take a guy a year removed, sat out the whole championship season. You, you went 14-1 and one with two other guys playing quarterback and then say, I'm going back to that guy? I mean, that's kind of hard, even if it's not his fault. Um, Yeah. Um, listen, is he losing with any of those guys in there? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, any one of those guys start, there's still your odds-on favor to win the Big Ten, uh, including the championship, and be in the 14 playoff again. That's Those are just the Coors Light, cold, hard facts. Any one of those well, three yeah, guys start. Uh, on paper, they the certainly situation. are, but as you know, we talk about a lot on the show, sometimes not having those expectations helps you. Like Ohio State came into this year with Miller, supposedly being the starter. They were a top-five team. Suddenly, he gets hurt, and everybody starts looking at them as more of a top-20 team, and they lose early to Virginia Tech as they're breaking in a new kid. Expectations drop very low for, for a very talented program, and all of a sudden, before anybody realized it, here's Ohio State with a second-string quarterback ranked in the top five. He gets hurt. Everybody except you and I, by the way, thought they would get beat by Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They didn't. And now they roll into this thing. And, you know, as you kept warning everybody, this kid's a good player. Most people yeah, looked at it. Yeah, you know, I knew of him in high school. Right. Most kids, most people looked at it as third-string quarterback. These guys can't win. So now what I'm trying to say is next year they roll in and everybody's going to have the best preseason number one. And now every game you got a giant bullseye bigger than it was anyway because you're Ohio State to begin with, and it might be more difficult to repeat. That's all I'm saying because I think the expectations will be through the roof next year. Not only will they are they supposed to win every game, but they're supposed to win every game by two or three touchdowns. Uh, okay, but I'm saying this. I don't see a roadblock for them uh, in the Big Ten. 
No, other than Michigan State, bring, Michigan State's bringing back a gritty team and they have the quarterback back. I mean, they're always going to be sort of a roadblock as long as I think he stays there as the coach, D'Antonio. I think he's got he's got it going good there. I mean, he's got the kind of guys yeah, he likes. Yeah, they're always going to have a chance, but I, I don't really see a roadblock uh, for them going through the Big Ten. And if they win the Big Ten championship, Emil, they're going to be in the 14 playoff. That's, I agree. That's just I agree. a fact. I agree. Yeah, they're going to be in the 14 playoff, so they're in it. You know, they're in it once again. We don't yet know or have an idea or have even begun to think about who the other three teams are going to be, but they're back in it again. And that's, uh, that, you know, that's something that's going to be trumpeted by coaches going down, uh, going down the, the road in the future. Is, you know, we've been in the college football playoff the last three years or three out of the last four years or two out of the last three years. That's going to be almost like winning the damn thing, just saying, being able to tell a recruit, hey, we've been in this thing. You're, you're going to have a – you come to us – you're going to have an opportunity to play for a championship every year. You know, that's that spiel that, that, that you, yeah. you, know, you lob over the coffee table when you're sitting in a recruit's house. So uh, I think they're back in it again, man. You they probably, listen, uh, man, it I'm going to annoy some people guys. here. The Big Ten stinks still. You know, people here want to talk about, oh, you know, the Big Ten's back. You know, they listen, one great team doesn't make you a great conference. Ohio State could play in the SEC. We know that. They have SEC-type players. It's no different than – you know, last you know when Carroll was at USC, the Pac-10 at the time was a good conference. It wasn't great. I mean, just because they were destroying people, yeah, they they had SEC type players. No one was debating that they were a great team, but they weren't better a better conference just because just because USC was destroying people. The, the Pac-10 wasn't better than the SEC. No different than the Big Ten is not a comparison right now. Just because Ohio State won the championship, the rest of the conference stinks. I mean. Michigan State's good, Wisconsin's good, and then who else? Michigan, we can say we think they're going to be good, but right now mm-hmm. they're not good. We'll see if they are. They have six commits right now on the recruiting class. They're number 96 in the country. And you, you, know, and you indeed may be right. Um, well, you are right, but I'm going to tell you this. Big Ten's on its way up. Um, Urban Meyer is, going to make, is obviously going to make them better. They're going to need to, they're going to, need to keep up with him. Uh, Michigan just, you know, took a big step in that in the right direction with that. You know, Michigan State is going to have to do what they need. Well, to Well, but here's what you're assuming: you're they assuming everyone's going to take a step up with them, and maybe it just goes back to what we grew up with, and, and Ohio State and Michigan dominated again. Doubt it. That's not what college football is anymore. And you saw the impact of USC on the Pac-12. I think we're going to see something more like that. You just, you, we can't keep letting. There's too much money involved now in college football for everyone to allow something like that to go on those other those other colleges there's too much people the 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 administration and the powers that be at these colleges realize that football doesn't just affect football they have done the research and they realize that amy from alabama comes to michigan because she likes Michigan, right? Oh no, that, listen. Not. There's no doubt about that. But what I'm saying is, you're and they're not just going to let one or two schools dominate the conference. They're going to. But I always say, you got to look at the schools. In other words, Arizona and Arizona State have always been desirable places to go. They've had great baseball teams and great in other female sports. So, you know, it's an easy sell once you get the right coach there. It's a nice weather climate, you know, and all that. I'm not so sure, you know, Illinois is getting better players because Ohio State's got better players. Um, I'm not maybe sure not. Purdue is. And, 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 and that's, you know, that was the same deal for maybe uh, an Oregon State or 
uh, Utah or Colorado or you know one of those schools. That not not everyone's gonna you know, right. become a contender. I think all this, I think a lot of the schools will get better, and then some who maybe were not big time contenders will now start to become that because they feel the need to keep keep pace with these guys. I don't think that conference is going to just let Michigan and Ohio State run off with it. People are going to have something to say about it. That's just well, uh, you may be right. We have we have a couple of questions here that we're throwing out on our our Facebook. Uh, from we like before, questions before we get to the NFL college questions. Someone wanted to know what happened with uh, to Tennessee football. They genuinely asked it. It wasn't a sarcastic comment. And I said, well, you know, maybe you can chime in. My answer was they had a dark period after Fulmer, but I said Butch Jones, I think, has Tennessee going in the right direction. They brought in a really good recruiting class last year. Um, this year they're number six on rivals. They're bringing in a, a beast of a defensive end and another beast defensive tackle to go with the other recruits that I think can help them quickly. And I think the arrows pointed up at Tennessee. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to agree with that also. Um, and I think people should be aware of that. I've been telling that to anyone who uh, would listen, that uh, watch out for Tennessee football. Uh, they're definitely on the come up. I had a chance to go over there, one of the schools that I've been able to visit over the last two or three years, and I really liked what I saw there. They obviously have really great facilities. Uh, they have a coaching staff that can develop players, and they've done a really good job at recruiting. And I will say, Tennessee, when it comes to recruiting, their fan base, when it comes to recruiting, is probably the best and the most powerful. And they've been able to pull in some pretty good classes, as you said, and they've got some pretty good football players there at Tennessee. They've done, they've done a pretty good job recruiting, and I know they can make those players better while they're there. And Butch Jones has been a winner pretty much everywhere that he's gone. So they're not being talked about a lot in the SEC. You know, it's all uh, Bama and Auburn and, and uh, Georgia and, and what's going on at Florida. And people aren't really paying attention much to, um, to, to Tennessee, and, and that's probably going to be a mistake. I think we may get a shift of power to soon. I mean, that's what people are forgetting in that SEC. I mean, the last, you know, so many years, the, the West has been the dominant conference, and you may just see a shift, and that happens. You know, I mean, look at the Pac-12 for the first three years or four years of the Pac-12. The, the North, the, you know, the North was the dominant conference, and now, you know, the South is much better than the North. And that may happen here uh, where the East becomes better than the West. I don't know. How do we – how do we – Look at the uh, how do we look at the SEC after the bowl season? Um, you know, was, all the talk was about the West, and here we are. We've got we we had the we had the East with such a great um, bowl record. Does does, does do you know? Do we change our mind on on things there or what? Let me give you my here's how I look at them. I go long term view of programs, and here's what I say. Okay, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee have always been powerhouse programs. You know, now they may have their ups and downs, but I think, and Tennessee's I think going to prove that out. They're going to come back. Okay, South Carolina to me is in the right direction, but until I see someone else come in there and win besides a Spurrier, I'm not convinced they're a long-term force. Um, obviously, uh, Missouri I think is going to be more of a player than people suspected because I think he's a really good coach, and Missouri's always had some decent programs. Not powerhouse but over the last 40 or 50 years you go look missouri's had some decent football teams and i think vanderbilt and kentucky stink now we go over to the west i mean obviously you have your alabama and your auburn i think mississippi and mississippi state could possibly go back to the hole from which they came i'm just saying okay 
Yeah, um, uh, that 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 could happen. The rise and fall backwards could be uh, could be pretty could be pretty. The bowl uh, games did a lot. I know you, you know your motivation thing is a big thing, and I understand you got a point there. But the fact that you've got two programs that supposedly are on the rise. It's hard to sell me that they don't give a crap about the bowl because if they don't, then that's a problem. I mean, when Alabama doesn't give a crap, they've won 34 bowl games. I understand that it's Alabama and they might not care about playing a certain bowl. I mean, Mississippi and Mississippi State had a chance to make statements in those games, and they made the wrong kinds of statements. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, they could, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Right. I have so, to agree on that. That was their chance to step up big time and prove that this wasn't some kind of a fluke season. And by the way that they performed in in the postseason, it sure has the look of that. Yeah, what would we be talking about on these shows that people like us do if Mississippi maybe had stepped up and beaten TCU 42-17? We'd be like, wow, oh, you know, keep an eye yeah, on the that. The conversation would have been quite different, and then uh, we wouldn't have had so much social media backlash on the SEC in, uh, as a whole. Correct, and then I and so so now we got those four teams dealt with. I think Arkansas is going to be the traditional team out west that is is good sometimes and average others because I, I think I think they're just do... going to be that pain in the ass team, don't you think? Yes, yes, and I think A and M will probably be the same thing. I, I think he caught some lightning in a bottle with Johnny Johnny football there and and had a really good year. I think he's a good coach, but he doesn't pay enough attention to defense. And to me, they're going to be another, as you call it, a pain in the ass team where. They'll win their, their seven, eight, nine, maybe ten games once in a while, but I'm not sure they're necessarily a power. And, you know, that, that kind of leaves you saying to yourself, well, you know, LSU's there. So I think the East has a chance to at least be on par, if not surpass the West, if Tennessee and Florida come back like I expect they will because they've been mm-hmm. traditional powers, and that's what people yeah, are starting to forget. That. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of circulate back to the big boys, and, 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 and they're – the both pro, all those programs are making their moves to do that. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've seen what's going on with the coaching staffs at these places. LSU's not sitting around and taking taking this season on the chin. Uh, Auburn has certainly been the most aggressive team with uh, in terms of adding assistants who didn't get the head coach fired. You know, obviously Florida had to replace their whole staff, but Auburn has been very very aggressive in trying to upgrade, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so they're not taking it sitting down. Georgia's the same deal, and Georgia's kind of set at that running back position for uh, you know the next two to three years to come. And uh, if they get anything out of a passing game and some defense, they're obviously going to be a very serious team to deal with. So it is going to be the traditional powers, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, um, um, Alabama, Auburn, LSU in the West. And, and you know, as you said, Arkansas and Texas A&M are just going to be those teams that get in the way of someone else doing something really great. <laughs> that, and well, and I it's mean, funny you know, that they're going to be able to do it in two different ways. Texas A&M wants to throw the ball every down. Arkansas wants to run the ball every down. And either way, um, you're going to have to deal with But see, with Auburn them. troubles me long-term because, I, you know me, I'm not a fan of the goofy offenses. And um, mm-hmm. you saw a little bit of that, I think, when Oregon ran into And you know I've said this in previous years. I've always said that about Oregon's offense. You know, I've seen it mm-hmm. be stopped when it when they run into teams that can match their athleticism because then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you, when Chip Kelly was the offensive coordinator there, I mean, routinely USC would beat the hell out of them. Why? Because they could, they they had the athletes to play with them. They were bigger and stronger, and it didn't work. And that's kind of what I saw yeah, with Ohio. You're not getting sixty-yard touchdowns. You're not going to get the sixty-yard no. touchdowns. No, no, that's what I saw with Ohio State. They have those type of athletes, of course. 
So mm-hmm. you're not going to get these plays. You know, sure, they got some flash plays where they hit some big ones and they drop some passes, but that happens in every college game. By and large, they scored 20 points. I don't care about the yardage because those type of offenses, you're going to give up some chunks of yards against them. But the, when you get athletes in the red zone that can stop the, the, you know, the guy just from turning the corner and going 18 yards for a touchdown, it's tough to put it in the end zone. And that's, that's what you saw. And that's kind of where, what I feel right now with Auburn playing in that SEC. I mean, I'm not sure if they don't have a special player at a quarterback or running back position, a guy who's just heads and tails, top five pick. I'm not sure that offense works long term. Um, I, I mean, listen, you know where I stand on that one. That whole hurry-up deal, it really takes puts a drain on your defense. You have aptly pointed that out with Philadelphia uh, during this season, and I think we saw how they broke down at the end. Um, it's just really, really tough on the defense. And I know Auburn has uh, brought in – uh, the best defensive coordinator that they think that they could have, and he's a very, very good one. Um, not a whole lot of experience, but, you know, being paired with a hurry-up offense. So that's going to be interesting to see. But either way, Auburn's going to be solid and be up there. How much up there, who knows? Gus Malzahn came in and went to a championship game, and now he's under the pressure to um, equal or go better than that, or each season that he doesn't is going to be a waste and the seat gets hot. We're going to have to take a break. It is NFL time. It is AFC Championship. It's NFC Championship. It's all going down, and Emil and I are going to break it down for you. We're going to make our pick, and we're going to get you set up, set up for this big weekend of NFL action. We're going to do that more when we get back on the Great Iron Stud Show right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. In season, out of season, fitspeed.com gives you the edge. Over 150 professional athletes and 5,000 youth and high school athletes as clients. Over 2,500 square feet of indoor turf. That includes two indoor 50-yard lanes plus a fully equipped weight room with the latest and most technically advanced equipment available. That's over 8,000 square feet of total workout space. Plus, they have the best training staff anywhere in the country. It's owned by current NFL wide receiver Brandon Marshall. It's why athletes like Chad Ochocinco work out there, and it's why you should work out there too. If you want to be the best, get on your grind and visit fitspeed.com today.
All right, it's been a while since I entered the Sandman here on the Gridiron Stud Show. That used to be our intro music. Yeah, it did. I think that was an homage to uh, Mariano Rivera, the best closer of all time ever, ever. Ever. Um, but uh, I digress. We're talking football here. We've got some championship games. I don't know. Do you like Do you like championship games like this or the Super Bowl to be – a game where it's a, a matchup of two teams that played already in the season. Do you like that stuff? I don't know if I like it. Uh, no, because it, it 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 screws with your head when you're trying to figure it out for what we do on the show. Because um, there's a couple different takes on it. I mean, I know I know you talked about it last show. You always tend to feel there's this advantage for the team that lost. And you know, I think I think sometimes we overthink these games. I like it when they haven't played. <laughs> Uh, I, I do also, so, you know. Um, um, it's hard anymore, though, because most of the time, you know, you're playing, there's only six games in your division, so, you are you know, a lot of times you catch these teams in the regular season, so it, it, it seems like the last few years you get a lot of rematches. Yeah, and that's what we've got here. Indy and uh, New England played already this season. It was a one-sided affair, Green Bay and Seattle played already this season it was a one-sided affair and now we're uh gonna have to see this weekend if if uh either or both of these teams can change the tide on how things went down there and uh we'll see and i guess that's what we're here to talk about first up is the uh packers traveling back out to seattle again and they're going to battle not only a very good seattle seahawks football team that has hit their peak at the right time but they're also going to battle the dreaded 12th man and they're in the most hostile environment for a road team that there is. Uh, Amo, what, why don't you well, jump on this Well, let's set this up for the folks. You know, uh, we're going to talk about the games. Obviously, give you our picks coming in. We're going to use seven as the line on both of these games. You know, they're all it's all over the map at this point. They're between six and a half and seven and a half. So we're going to take a touchdown and make you know that that's going to be our line that we're talking about as we talk about the game. Um, we're going to do our bookkeeping on Monday for our final records against the spread in college and pro, but coming into this week in pro, uh, I'm 36-20, couple pushes. Chad's 29-26, and he has three pushes. So we're we're about 500. We've done well. Um, you're talking about this game. You know, the inclination, I think, for a lot of people will be to grab the seven in Green Bay. Um, I'm not so sure about that. I, I think Seattle is just a bad matchup for Green Bay. And as much as people point at the Carolina game and say, hey, you know, they were right there. They could have been down seven. They were on the 10-yard line. Carolina's always played Seattle tough. Uh, they have a, a good enough defense that, that they can take some things away from Seattle. I'm not sure Green Bay's defense, especially against the run, is that stout. I mean, I saw what Dallas did to them on Sunday pounded it up in there for 150 yards and and frankly I think if Dallas stuck with it a little bit more um they probably could have won that game I think Dallas believe it or not I think they they got away from running it and I, I want them to run it more and I don't think Seattle will do that I think Seattle will just keep pounding it and pounding it and eventually that opens up some things for Russell Wilson down the field uh so I mean for me I know I know how you like to think but I'm I'm still laying the seven with Seattle. I just I I think they're the best team. Uh yeah, and you know I I I picked Seattle to to repeat way back in July. Um I obviously like the way things have been going for them uh down this road. 
uh, I guess we can we can say that they were a little bit bored with the regular season or or whatever, or maybe there was just a little bit of an adjustment time there for them. Uh, after they had injuries, don't forget Harvey. Wagner was hurt. Yeah. They had some guys banged up. They did, they did. So they seem to be hitting on all cylinders. Uh, here's where I am. Green Bay's a, a, a very good football team. You don't get to this point in the season without being a good football team. You don't do what the Green Bay Packers have done over the last five or six years without being a very good football team. And I am going to stick to the principle that I've always had. I know this as a player. I've experienced it with uh, more intensity as, as a coach, that it is very difficult in that rematch to do what it is you did the first time. And in that first game, the Packers were totally destroyed. 36, what was our score? 35-16 or 36 Something like 36-16, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it's just hard for me to believe that the Packers are going to come back into Seattle and, and, and you know, have that same kind of a game. You know what I mean? I, I just really think that they're going to be able to do some things here that can keep this game closer. If this if this point spread was maybe four points, I might want to go with Seattle because I do believe the Seahawks are going to win this game. Um, I just have visions of the Packers being able to hang around close enough and get the ball at the end of the game to either um, – um, here's how I really, really see it. I see the Seahawks having a comfortable lead in this game, but Green Bay being close enough to get the ball late in the game – and be trying to hurry up and get down the field because they need two scores to win, and they get the first score that they need, and they just run out of time to be able to get the other one. Right. And as a result of getting that first of the two scores, they, they move inside the number. I see something like that happening. I just um, – I, I really think – Certainly a possibility. I mean, I mean, I you know, it's always a fear when you're given a full touchdown against, the, you know, a 13-4 and four football team. I mean, it's not like – Green Bay rolls in here, and they're not a good football team. So I, I could certainly understand your thinking there. And yeah, and, I don't want to get swept up in the euphoria of what Seattle is doing. Um, let's not forget that that game last week was was tight for for quite some time with Carolina, and then um, you, you, Cam Newton, you know, had a couple turnovers and things went the other way. You're dealing with a more experienced quarterback in this one, who maybe is not going to make those kind of mistakes. So I'm going to lean with the Packers here, getting something late that moves them inside this number. I, seven's a little too big for me. I understand your thinking. I, I just think I think Green Bay spent re- really had to empty the tank last week to get here. I, I, I really, I, I just have a feeling between their style of play, the things they're not good at defensively, being what Seattle is good at offensively, and, and the fact they just think they spent a lot of, of energy last week that I, I don't want to overthink this one. And, and I'm not saying that you, you very well may be right. I just I, I don't want to overthink it. I just have a feeling that it's just not a good matchup for Green Bay. Um, and you might you might indeed be right. That's going to be the beauty of watching this thing. I You know, I love Seattle, and, uh, you know, I love defense. So um, even if this goes against my pick and uh, the Seahawks just on defense – totally dismantle the Green Bay Packers. I'm still going to have a smile on my face. I just love the way that they go about what it is that they do. I just think uh, I don't want to be on the wrong side of a late Packers touchdown and uh, I'm putting my foot through the television or something like that, which, you know, I don't get that emotional about that anymore. All right, we've got uh, the later one. I guess Tom Brady is successful. Why do they get the late game? Let's talk about that for a minute. Why the hell do the Patriots 
get the late game. Is this the Tom Brady thing? Is this I, Tom I don't Brady? Get, I don't get that. You know, from a TV perspective, I I think this Seattle's is Seattle's prob- on the West Coast, man. Seattle's on the West I know. Coast. I think this is I think this is contractual. The late game gets the higher ratings. And my guess is it probably goes back and forth with these teams. Now, here's you know between CBS and Fox. Now, what I can't understand is last week the higher-rated game, especially if it was in the four o'clock slot, would have been the Cowboys-Packers, and they put them in the one o'clock slot, and it made some sense there because Denver's in you know the the late game in Denver's you know three hours behind. Now, I don't understand like you're saying here, making the Seahawks play a noon game out there, so they could put. New England and Indy in that that slot that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, particularly get it either. But anyway, we we must move on beyond that. Uh, this game, like the first one, is a rematch uh, between between two teams that played earlier on in the season. And uh, like the first one, it was a completely lopsided uh, event when these two teams met up. Andrew Luck and the boys went in there and got their face pushed in in New England, uh, and, you know, it just wasn't pretty for them. And this was, you know, back in November. Not too long ago, 42-20 was the final. Here's what I'm looking at, um, Emil. I'm I'm probably going to shock some folks here because I uh, maybe as, as short as three weeks ago, four weeks ago, was saying the Patriots look like a team that could go to the Super Bowl and win it. It's what they look like to me. And it kind of started – uh, maybe around this game here where where I started to say that because uh, we know what the Patriots have been about for the last few years. It's it's four and five wide receiver sets and Brady and the boys tossing the ball around and uh, they've always been able to find that overachieving wide receiver, the Edelmans and the, and the Welkers and the, and, the, and the, what's the other one that they got now from the Rams? That guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, I know. Abinola. Uh, they've been yeah. able to find that guy to do the dirty work, and they got Gronk, and then they turned around and found this dude, Jonas Gray, and they cranked out a 200-yard rushing game um, versus the Indianapolis Colts. And I said, good God, these guys could beat you throwing it. They could beat you running it. They can do pretty much anything that they want to do. Well, Jonas Gray woke up late. We haven't seen much of him since. And 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 New England hasn't looked as dominant Um coming down the pike here. And we've got an Indianapolis Colts team that rushed for a grand total of 19 yards in that first meeting. But off that 19 yards, Emil, they were able to get 20 points. And that's disturbing to me for the New England Patriots. A team rushing for 19 points shouldn't score 20. I mean, rushing for 19 yards shouldn't score 20 points on you. And um, Yeah, I but that's just that's the Colts. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, that's that's them every week. I mean, they they're not going to rush for 19 yards in this game. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're not coming back out here, and they're not going to rush for 19 yards. So if the Colts come out here and rush for 80 yards, how many points are they going to score? How many points will that allow them to keep off the board for the New England Patriots? You got to really look at it that way. They're not rushing for 19 again. I'd be very uh, I'd be very surprised. And uh, mind you, I'm saying that knowing the Colts don't have uh, Eric Dickerson back there. But they can do enough in the running game to not rush for 19, and then how many points do they put up? And if they rush for 50 or 60 or 80 yards, New England's not going to score 42. The Patriots rushed for 244 in the first game and scored 42, and the Colts rushed for 19 and scored 20. Patriots aren't going to rush for 244. How many points are they going to score? So I'm looking at it that way, and, man, I really think we might be looking at an upset here. I do like the Colts in this in this rematch. I like them to make the adjustments. I like them to not only close this gap, but perhaps reverse that entire, uh, that, uh, that entire result. 
I cannot envision a situation where two teams that lost to the teams they're playing earlier this year come back and lose again. One of these two teams that lost the first matchup is going to win the second. And I think that that probably is going to be the the Colts more than it will be the Packers. So I'm going to ride with the Colts on this. Okay, one. you're taking both dogs. See, I'm 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 totally opposite. That's what makes it interesting. I I kind of view, view this game um, with the old the old axiom of people are kind of looking at New England and seeing the last thing they saw and, and applying it to this game. In other words, they saw the the Ravens really push them last week, saying to themselves, "Well, you know, New England's not that good. They won by four last week. You know, they're giving seven. The Ravens really, you know, traditionally always play the Patriots tough. I mean, it just that's the way those two teams match up. Go look at the scores. Kind of the same way it's ironic that Carolina always plays Seattle tough if you go look at the scores. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the Colts, to me, they beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati is what they are, okay? There was no A.J. Green in that game. Dalton is just not ready for prime time. So they beat them at home, Okay. The win in Denver, I'll give them credit for going there and doing that, but we obviously know the Peyton Manning has not been Peyton Manning, and the injury came out this week. He was throwing wounded ducks. We all saw it, okay? Unfortunately, didn't have the guts to pick against him because we figured he'd still do his thing. Shame on you know, shame on me in that case, but I really think that the Colts have run into a team here that just, again, it's not a good matchup for them. I mean, it, you know, they're going to, in their heads, they may come into this game saying, damn it, we're not going to allow the Patriots to run for 240 yards. And the Patriots, knowing their coaching staff, know, will figure that that's the way the Colts will approach it and come with a different game plan. And I, I just I, I don't like I don't like the Colts' defense. I mean, traditionally it gets pushed around, some, you know, as, as the Patriots were able to do. Uh, they did a great job against Denver. I'm not going to take that away from them, but I just – I think New England's the better team, and I, I don't want to overthink it again. I think they just come out here and they get the win, and it's by more than seven points. So you think these two teams, these two very good teams that were blown out earlier this year, are heading to uh, another lopsided loss again? Yes. All righty. You've got it. I mean, there. listen, I if you made me grade, that. first of all, I mean, I, we never talk about this just for fun. If you said to me, who are the top four teams in the league right now? Three of them would be from the NFC, first of all, because I would have Seattle, Green Bay, and Dallas in there with New England in the conversation, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all. If you ask me to grade them by conference, okay, on a neutral field, I don't even think – I think Seattle would be the best team in the NFC, and I still think Dallas is the second-best team on a neutral field. So I'm not even sure they're playing the second-best team in their conference, and I feel the same way in the AFC. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure the Colts are not the second best team. You know, Baltimore clipped Pittsburgh. Bell was out. Pittsburgh may have been the second best team. I don't know, but I just think that you got two teams here that played their way here. Congratulations to them. I think they're just running into buzz sauce. Two buzz saws has been ordered up right here by my co-host Emil Calamina. Well, that's the way that we see it. Um, it's only fitting that we get down to the end, um, and and we've got this. You and I totally on the opposite side on these two games. That's going to make it very fun and interesting. I, you know, I think I might have been a little disappointed, as our audience would have been, if we both said, hey, you know, Seattle in a blowout, and, you know, we both like the Colts uh, to upset. The, you know, it's good. We're both on the opposite side. No, it's good. Side. It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll definitely have something to talk about on Monday. Yeah, no, 
No doubt about that. Well, who are we fooling? We've always got something to talk about. Trust me, when we light this thing up on the air, words are going to be said. That's for sure. That's how we do it here on the Gridiron Studs Show. All right, that's another Friday one in the books. All right, it's only January 16th. Um, you still have a chance to uh, hold on to your New Year's resolutions and uh, also fumble them again. But we have quickly gone 16 days in, and uh, I hope you're still on course. Anyway, thank you for listening to the show today. We appreciate it. If you love the Gridiron Stud Show, and I know that you do, uh, continue to listen. And when you do, bring a friend. Tell a friend about the Gridiron Stud Show. The more listeners, the merrier. So for uh, Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Have a great weekend. Watch the games, root for my picks, and root for his too if you can. And uh, we'll be back here on Monday to uh, talk about it all here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on Monday.